Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hello, everyone. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 93 of the podcast. It's the 12th of October, 2017, as I record this intro. My guest this week is Robert Gottlieb. Robert's an unschooling dad with two children, ages 11 and 19. We have a great conversation, diving into his family's journey to unschooling, going against societal expectations, stretching comfort zones, what advice he'd like to share with dads just starting out, and much more. As an update this week, I'm so happy to say I've gotten through all my edits and have sent my unschooling journey manuscript back to my editor for a final pass. For me, it's so much fun to work through her comments. She lets me know when I've gotten off track or haven't explained myself well enough. It's challenging, like in the most invigorating way. And of course, there's the grammar she cleans up for me. And by the end, you guys definitely get a better book. Also, just to let you know, I'm taking the next couple of weeks off. There will definitely be episodes as usual. I've got them all ready to go and I'm really excited about them. They'll just have super short intros because I'm pre-recording those. And I'll give you a nice update when I return. I would love to say a huge thank you to everyone who has chosen to support the show on Patreon. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. You guys inspire me, and I love that you're helping me share unschooling information with anyone who wants to explore ways to live this wonderful lifestyle with their family. And if you'd like to support the show, even for as little as a dollar a month, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And this week, I want to share a quote from the interview. Robert said, my overall goal is peace in the world. That's something that I really care about. And I believe that by giving our kids this ability to live life as human beings and not being told what to do, they are more likely to be peaceful than not later on in life. They're more likely to be more empathetic. I really do think the ripples of our unschooling lives make their way out into the world. That with the choice we're making at home to live with our children as fellow human beings, we're inviting change on a larger scale. Our children gain so much experience in being in relationship with other people, and they take that experience with them into the world. It's beautiful. And now, on to the interview with Robert. Hi, everyone. I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca, and today I'm here with Robert Gottlieb. Hi, Robert. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? Good. Yay, yay. Robert and his wife are unschooling their two children. I first came across Robert online in unschooling circles, actually, and I thought it would be really fun to chat with him about his experiences so far. And to get us started, can you share with us a bit about you and your family? Sure. Um, As you mentioned, I have uh, my wife and my two kids. My daughter is 11. My son is 19. And uh, 
they've had a, a history of living all over the United States, mostly on the coasts. And uh, so they've traveled a little bit. Um, we have uh, four cats and a hamster. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my, my daughter loves to foster kittens, which we're doing right now. So there's it's a very uh, uh, cat-friendly and uh, pet-friendly environment here. Uh, we like to joke around a lot. We have a lot of fun together uh, just talking. You know, we don't have to be doing anything. Um, and, uh, they, you know, they both are very well versed in what, where things are in the world now because they've talked online so much, but I'll, I'll get to a little bit of that later, but, um, yeah, it's a very open and uh, fun family to be in. Oh, that sounds lovely. And if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to hear what your kids are enjoying at the moment, because it's always fun to hear what unschooling kids are getting into. So is there anything in particular that they're interested in? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, my daughter is heavily into Minecraft, which is a common theme in, in unschooling, which is great because there's so much creativity on there. And uh, mm-hmm. in particular, she likes role playing on Minecraft, ah. which I found very interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, it's you, you would think I mean, she'd like the building part, too, and then all the different games that they have and stuff like that. But there's a part where the kids just type to each other and pretend to be different characters. And it allows them to play out all kinds of scenarios that you can't do in real life. And I looked at this and I'm like, wow, that would be great if I had had that when I was a kid. But, you know, it's it's basically taking what's in your mind, but sharing it with other kids. So you have more, you know, richness to the environment of what you're, you're looking at. It's, it was just, just mind blowing. Um, yeah. So that's one thing. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, uh, my son Joseph has done some role playing stuff, too, and we've talked about it. And it is really fascinating, isn't it? Because they uh, they 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 I guess I was going to say take it seriously, like they um, get into the the role and they really put their head into um, another person, really. Right. And and to see um, how they think through it, how they um, take over that personality for a while. It's really fascinating, isn't it? And then all the intricacies, too, yeah. because, you know, them thinking of one, a name of the character. Mm-hmm. They have characteristics of these these characters that are like how many tails it has and what uh, race it is. And there's a whole, like, website where they have these descriptions. I'm like, wow. you know. Yeah. <laughs> So there's there's that. And then she plays League of Legends, which uh, she just got into the past couple months. Um, so she's online a lot. But she also is in the Girl Scouts. Um, she enjoys being with people. She's very much uh, a social butterfly. Um, she also likes to draw and play on her computer in general or iPad. Um, so, I mean, she's doing a lot. <laughs> yeah. My son, uh, my 19-year-old, has gotten to a point in his life where he's very introspective. He's looking at things like meditation um, philosophy and, you know, really how societies work or don't work <laughs> in so many cases. Um, he also likes to game. Um, he plays, uh, an online game. Uh, it's based around Arma 2. He is, he's on a PC, so he's got uh, different games, but, um, watching him play those games, you know, the, the thing that really got, you know, I noticed this early on, uh, I can't remember what age he started playing, but, um, the things that happen in the games are very intricate when you look at these, you know, these military style shoot 'em up games. You know, everyone thinks, oh, they're just blowing stuff up and it's indiscriminate and all that. No, it's not. It's actually very split second oriented stuff. And if you're not fast, you will die. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's very quick thinking, it's teamwork, it's, you know, all these different skills that people don't see when they say, oh, they're just playing video games. They're not just playing video games, they're learning a huge amount 
about skills that, by the way, are very useful in the real world. Um, so I'm very interested to see later on in life how he uses them, you know, whether for a hobby or for a career or whatever. Just I know that these things will come into play later on. And don't they come into play, too? Like because you were talking about um, his interest in philosophy and how he's introspective right now. I find that, too, like my two um, sons have both like my youngest is 20 now and he's very uh into philosophy and he's reading a lot and we're having really interesting conversations and I found the same with my eldest and so much of our philosophical discussions you know um they they he can connect and relate them to the games and stuff that he's playing and even the people that he's playing with and like the whole world kind of meshes all together doesn't it yeah, it does. It do, all those things come into play right away. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I find that it's fascinating to have conversations with them. And the other piece that's so interesting is that, I mean, my younger son um, games as well, but he's he also listens to a lot of audiobooks and stuff. Um, and my my older son, actually, he watches a lot. He takes in the same kind of information, but through videos on YouTube and everything. He's never been a huge reader. Um although he reads a lot of stuff online. But the fascinating thing is they it's all about the ideas, right? So no matter where they're coming from, at the root, they're all talking um, and considering and contemplating those same kinds of uh, foundational human being living in society kind of ideas. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's the other thing I was going to say. Yeah, with my son, I definitely have these fascinating conversations about things, whether it's current events or just things happening in the world. And the other thing is, you know, he tends to be very worldly in general. He's aware of more than just the United States. And, you know, it's, it's great to see that because I really want my kids to always be aware of the world around them rather than focusing only on where they're living. And, you know, it's just, it's an important um, uh, aspect of, of being human to me anyway. Yeah, it was something I hadn't, you know, thought about before, but the, um, through just seeing my children in action, it's uh, it's become a really important and valuable piece of our lives. So that is very interesting. Um, next question. How did you discover unschooling and what did your family's transition to unschooling look like? Well, we actually discovered it a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the first time we were living back in San Diego and, uh, there was this homeschooling group that we were part of. Um, and, and there was this one family, the one unschooling family, this, mm -hmm. you know, I can't remember how many years ago <laughs> this was, but, but there was that one family, that, that odd family. Right. And, you know, odd to me at the time anyway. And so we, we met them, they said, Oh yeah, you can do this. And, and my wife and I are like, no, we can't. This is crazy. What are you kidding? <laughs> you know, and the standard response. Right. And so we didn't do anything then we just heard about it and, you know, saw someone doing it and saw one family. So we really didn't even have a good representative example. So anyway, we moved to Charleston, South Carolina some years later. Well, actually, before we even did that, um, my son had gone through public school, charter school, homeschooling, all in San Diego. Um, and then we got here into Charleston and um, he did some Montessori school. And uh, the Montessori, which we thought would be great, right? It was him basically sitting there doing nothing. And we're paying a lot of money for this. Mm -hmm. and we're, we're scratching our heads like, no, this isn't a good idea. You know, if you, it's just, and, then, and again, we had some end game in mind of him, you know, being enticed to learn or, you know, some 
something forcing him to learn, which was, you know, as we learned later, not, not, not what was going to work. Um, he went from Montessori to charter and then back to homeschooling again. And in all of that, you know, we thought charter, Oh, great. Right. No, it wasn't great. It was just, you know, the same bad parts of school that we don't like. And, you know, uh, with some other things thrown in and he did really well, quote unquote, um, you know, like the, the third best reader in the school on the set and the other. And it's like, as soon as he got out of the charter school and into homeschooling, even he stopped reading. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, I'm done. I've done, I've checked off that box. And that kind of uh, made me sad because I really wanted reading to be a part of his life. You know, um, fortunately that would come many years later, but so, you know, we saw that and then, you know, homeschooling, even charter schooling and homeschooling, we both were, you know, struggling with him, you know, to get him to do his homework and, to get him to do work at all. And it was just really straining our relationship. And it was like, okay, why, why are we doing this? So I started researching alternatives, uh, came across somebody that was parroting everything Sandra was saying. And, uh, finally found my way to Sandra herself. And, you know, in terms of reading her site and, all, and, and really that that's where things started clicking for me. It's like, ah, now I get this. Now I'm going to understand what that person back in San Diego was doing. And, you know, there's unfortunately so much bad information about schooling out there and I had to wade through all of it. And eventually I got to the, the stuff that works. And, you know, that what finally clicked for me was, you know, just I want a good relationship with my kids. I, I don't want to be butting heads with them all the time. And this is a way to do that. And it doesn't mean that I have to give up every single thing I believe in. It just means I actually talk to them like a human being, like I would my wife, you know, or a friend or, you know, whatever then, you know, when you, when you do that, it opens up the relationship so much more and, and they're willing to talk to you and listen to you. And that doesn't mean that it turns out perfect or they, you know, they do everything you want, you want them to do. That's not the point. But the point, the point is you hear them, they hear you. So that's kind of the, where I started coming in. So now my wife had to be convinced, although not very, you know, it didn't take very much to convince her, at least on the academic side of things, that was pretty straightforward to her. It was more just the whole life unschooling where it's like, okay, we don't really need to restrict every single thing about their lives. And, you know, just kind of imagine me restricting my wife, you know, it's yeah. like, that's what it would be like for them. And it just didn't make any sense. So we, you know, we let go of a bunch of things. Now, the problem with me is I tend to fire hose when I'm excited about something and I learn something. I'm like, I get this. And I believe everybody should get it. And so I don't suggest doing what I did at the very beginning, which was just, <laughs> okay, kids, have at it. You know, it's like, that's not the, probably the best way to go. Cause they're, you know, there's, they've had these rules all of a sudden lifted and it's like, okay, what do I do now? You know, it's like, so, you know, depending on your kid, you've, you've got to know your kid and figure out what works best for them. But a little bit at a time is what I needed to have done. And also would have made it easier on my wife as well. But you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, th- there are so many great points in there, Robert. I mean, that one is is wonderful, like knowing your kids as you're getting started, because you're right, it can be like pulling the rug out from under them if, if you know, there's such a huge shift all at once, right? Kind of like they're left out at sea trying to trying to figure out this whole new world rather than figuring it out piece by piece by piece. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. And um, I just, I smiled when you were talking about uh, your son coming home and reading, as in not wanting to read. I, I went through the same yeah. thing with my daughter. I mean, she was only, she was seven um, when she left school, but reading had been a, a thing at school, right? With the reading right. groups and, and it's pushed so hard. 
that when she came home, she didn't want to go anywhere near a book. And it's like, nope, I can't read, don't want to read, never want to learn to read, nothing. And and that was it. And uh, actually, I'll share, I'll share a link in the show notes to a blog post I wrote about it. But it it's true. It took about a year um, for her to just kind of work through all that ick that was built up in yeah. her, right? Just around that one skill. And I know. I know it's amazing. It's amazing how, how we can affect people so easily with, with their best interests at heart, right? It's not like we're trying right. to damage them or, or injure them. We're trying to help them. Yet when we're, when we start trying to force our, our schedule and our expectations on them, wow, it has such a huge effect, doesn't it? Oh yeah. I mean, that's that definitely, I saw that all over the place, all different skill sets, everything you can imagine. And my daughter who's never been to school, um, she's 11 and you can see it in her, you know, the, the opposite effect where she just out of blue will ask me for math problems. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. She doesn't need to, she does. It's just fun for her. It's just something that, you know, she likes figuring out and there's all these different things she'll ask me along the way. And, and the key is, you know, I see a lot of parents fall into the trap of, oh, they're asking questions about a specific skill. They're going to go all the way with this. It's like, no, they might only have inches with this, which is fine. They might, they're going to dabble in a bunch of different things. And how else do you find out what you like until you've tried it? And maybe you want to try many different things. She's 11. She doesn't need to know what she wants to do. You know, she's, she's got plenty of time. This is the perfect time for her to try little bits and pieces of everything at a time that she wants to. Oh, you're right. That's that is a huge. I think that's a huge de-schooling shift um, to be okay with them trying something out and, and quitting, right? To yeah. be able to just just taste this and taste this and taste this, and then if you can, you know, um, live with that for a while. Very often, and it's always looking back, right? You talked earlier about how hindsight is twenty twenty. You yeah. can't. You in that moment when they're choosing to try something, and, and you know, part of you maybe starts getting excited for them, like that's what that's a clue for yourself that you're starting to make it about you and not about them. Right. And and when they quit, you can't know looking forward, right? So that's that is where the trust piece comes in. But once you have a few months and then then a few years, and you look back that's when you can really see the connections and what seemed like totally unrelated things that they tried out like over six months, a year, five years, whatever. When you look back, you can see in the root of those things, what it really was that, that they were interested in. Can't you? Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's so interesting. Um, unconventioning is definitely, Unschooling is definitely unconventional. <laughs> and I was wondering if um, you talked a little bit about your transition, um, if there were any particular societal expectations that you found it hard um, to work through and how did you go about doing that? Well, you see, the the, the way that I, I dealt with that, I mean, yes, there were definitely naysayers all the way along, you know, including my own parents at times and, you know, and the in-laws and, you know, the, the, the standard, you know, concerns, are, are we spoiling them or, you know, just letting them do anything they want? Um, you know, we, we did things early on. We, I think we, we sort of prepared our families a little bit by uh, attachment parenting with both of our kids. So they would both co-slept, they both uh, breastfed until they decided not to and things like that. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it was kind of a natural lead in for a lot of what we were doing. So our parents were kind of primed for expecting the unexpected. <laughs> in a lot of it. So that, that helped. And it's not just our parents, of course, it's, you know, society as well that we're dealing with. And again, you know, in the attachments, 
parenting side of things, you know, my wife was very adamant about, look, this is the way I'm going to do things. If you don't like it, society, yeah, that's your, your problem. Um, so then that's kind of, eventually you get there. I know at the beginning, you know, as far as unschooling goes, it's not like you immediately have that ability to just, you know, everything, you know, I'll just tell them off, you know, and that's probably not the best way to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. But the way that I do it or did it, especially early on was I had a certain confidence at the very beginning and I know not everybody's going to have that right away. And it just, like I said about the fire hose, you know, I'm passionate about this. I know this is what I want to do. So in my mind, it's a done deal. And if someone else doesn't agree with it, it's like, well, you know, I like chocolate, you like vanilla, whatever. You know, that's kind of how I handled that. I didn't take it personally. And even though people might have wanted me to, it just never happened that way. So, you know, basically what I tried to do, though, with my and it didn't always come out right. And again, I was fire hosing. So a lot of these people probably didn't get it. But I was more in terms of looking at educating them. You know what? If I'm them, unfortunately, I didn't do the the the, the standard thing of okay, putting myself in the other person's shoes, which I, I looking back, I would have rather have done that because who knows? I might have been able to affect other people's lives doing that. But you know, to a new parent doing this, you know, once you get it, see if you can educate other people because you know one of the best ways to learn anything is to teach someone else how to do it. So, you know, that's, you know, you're going to be challenged. Well, what about this? Well, what about that? And if you don't know, don't lie. Just say, hey, I don't know about that yet. Maybe I'll go look at that and I'll, I'll get back to you. And there's plenty of resources online, including your own and, and Sanders and, you know, places like that and forums and Facebook and all that. So, you know, the, the big thing was educating other people. Um, you know, the, the, the key is not to get too defensive because then it's like, you know, I'm second guessing myself. Just, you know, say, look, this is, this is what we're doing. This is, this works. And it's worked for several families for several years and probably decades now. Um, so, you know, just go with that. And, and if someone's like actively challenging you, just, you know, try to see it from their point of view. There's some fear in there probably because you're challenging a very, uh, core part of society that, that children are supposed to be in school. They're supposed to be, you know, uh, they're supposed to have rules that, you know, govern every aspect of their lives. And that's, that's unfortunately where we've gotten to. And, and so, you know, these people brought up that way they mean, well, they want your kids, hopefully they want them <laughs> good things for your kids. It's just that they themselves were brought up in a different way. And so, you know, the come from that point of view, empathize a little bit with them at the same point, you you don't have to give any ground on what you're doing. You just, Oh, this is, this is how it works. Look, you know, my, my daughter is so happy. Look at, you know, she's like jumping up and down. Look, you know, come here. Let me, let me show you this. You know, that you can use examples like that if you want to, it's just, you know, it, it depends on who it is. You know, obviously if it's a relative, you might choose different examples than if it's a friend, you know, neighbor or whatever. Yeah. I love that. Especially the piece about the confidence. That's something that I found, um, was really helpful, especially, um, you know, in the first few years when it was, it was, well, first couple of years when it was still something that was super new to, you know, extended family and to go into, you know, family gatherings or, you know, holiday dinners, whatever, to have, um, the confidence as in, even if you don't know, all about unschooling, especially like you mentioned at the beginning, you don't know the answers to all the questions. Um, to me, to go in um, without having those questions in the air, 
I'm not sure if I'm saying that well. One one thing I didn't do was ask questions when I was there because, like you said, they they know um, the conventional way, right, of of parenting and and education and everything. And with our children's best interests at heart, they are coming from that perspective still. So you know, if I had questions about my kids or even just you know, if you get caught up in, it's so typical to be complaining about kids, right? At, at yeah. these kinds of gatherings, a gathering of adults are always complaining about kids doing X, Y, and Z. And I was always very careful not to get sucked up into that, pulled into that, because the go-to answer for everybody is always, well, that's because your kids aren't in school. They should be in school, et cetera. So, right. Yeah, to to have those great stories that you talked about. Oh, see how they like this, they do that. I would have those in the back of my mind um, to bring up in conversation that people had. But I was always very careful not to be negative at all. And to save my questions for unschooling groups, because yeah. that, that I would be getting answers from that perspective. Those would be useful answers to me, not ones that made me feel guilty or second guess myself, right? Right. Yeah, that was that's a huge piece for me, and that because uh, you know there, it's it's very typical and conventional to use to try and use guilt on us, right? To try and change oh, yeah. our minds, and they're just they're trying to protect us from something they see that that we're doing um, that's strange, that that's unconventional. They're worried for us about what might happen. So like you said, if you can put yourself in their shoes a little bit, you can see where they're coming from, but you also don't want to be put in a position where you're constantly feeling defensive and, and having to uh, field negative kinds of questions. I love fielding questions when they're curious you can tell, you can feel the difference, can't you? When someone's yeah. curious to know or where someone's trying to set a trap for you, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, you know, some people respond well to logic. So you can kind of, you know, set up a scenario of, you know, how would you feel if someone was telling you to do something, you know, like just as an adult, you know, how, you know, you have to go finish, you have to finish your dinner. You know, that's, that's a big one. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but I don't want to, I'm done. No, you have to finish it. You can't get up from this table until you finish it. How would you feel as an adult? And they, they're like, well, I wouldn't like that. I wouldn't, I, you know, I wouldn't listen to that. Exactly. So why do we treat our kids any differently? That particular example, I know when the kids were younger, what I would do, um, when the kids were finished, I would specifically, you know, excuse them before that came up. You know what I mean? So we'd be at, at like my parents' dinner table um, for holidays or whatever, and we'd eaten, we'd had a very nice dinner, and I could see the kids were done and they were ready to get up, and, and I would excuse them because that's an expect that I knew that would be an expectation that was there um, from the other adults or from my my parents. So I would do that for them. For my kids and and I'm doing it for my parents too, right? Because yeah. they're not going to set second guess me there, um, right. and and they're like they may certainly think like why is she letting them down so early? The rest of us aren't finished, or you know we're supposed to sit around and have conversations for an hour after. Like what little <laughs> right. kids gonna sit 
there for that. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I would anticipate the things, the expectations that they would have around things. I would talk to my kids beforehand um, and we would figure out plans. So, let, you know, what way can we maneuver through this to um, help everybody feel as comfortable as possible anyway? And then, yeah, we would have those kind of conversations later and say, you know, when they asked me, oh, they got up awful early. Well, you know, they were done. How would you feel if, you know, you were told you had to stay there, et cetera. So, yeah, it's really interesting. In the end, I found it fun just to try and manage and come up with creative ways that we could move through situations. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the thing for me is, you know, that, that strikes me what you're saying, but also in my own experience is the reason that works with our kids is because they trust us. And they trust us because we have a relationship with them. They know that we're going to listen to them. And that, you know, listening to them doesn't mean that they what they want is automatic. You know, that ha- that's what happens. It just means there's a discussion just like there would between me and my wife. Sometimes, the, you know, my wife gets away. Sometimes I get my way. But ultimately, they, they're, they're being heard and they're being listened to. So when you have situations where you need to, hey, you know, we're going to grandma, grandpa's house, eh, you might like, keep your language a little bit, you know, safe, <laughs> public safe and all that. You know, it, that's, that will be like, Oh yeah, okay, fine. We'll do that. And you know, that there's no struggling there. That's, I think the, the big part of the struggles I had early on were because there wasn't a trust because I was making them do things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's huge. And I love that little point, like you pointing that out before they go over to grandma's house, right? Because what you're also doing there is protecting their relationship with their grandparents right? You're, you're helping them see the parameters and explaining, you know, if they say, well, why, you know, you're going to explain their perspective and why that bothers them. And it's still, you know, like you said, it's still a choice, but when you have that trusting and open relationship with them, they know that you didn't say that to try and control their language. You said that because you gave them a piece of real information about the situation that they're going into. There, there's a big difference, yep. um, but you need that trust um, and that relationship first for them to see that, don't you? Yes. Yeah. And uh, that was another point um, that you had mentioned earlier was that it, it becomes about the relationship, right? We're replacing school at first, but it soon becomes, you realize it's it's really foundational in the relationship itself. And when you focus on the relationship, all the learning and all the other things just fall into place behind it, don't they? Yep, absolutely. Yep. Um, as the working parent, are there things you and your wife do to help you stay connected with the kids? Well, you know, I'll, I'll talk about our kids, but I, anybody listening, I, I, it's every kid's different. Every kid has mm-hmm. different needs. So take that into account what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> both our kids are very independent. Um, and my, both of them from early age. Now my son very much is, uh, introspective, even though he is social at times. Um, so he's got long periods where he just wants to be by himself. Uh, what I do with that is I'll, you know, he has no problem with me walking into his room and watching him play a game, which I love doing because the way he plays and how good he is is just fascinating for me. And uh, and the graphics that they have now <laughs> that I didn't have as a kid. I so, know. you know, there's, 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 there's things like that that I do to, to, you know, let him know I'm still here. And, you know, we say goodnight to him at night. So, you know, it's not like we just completely ignore him. We invite him to eat with us. Um, he sometimes does, sometimes doesn't. Um, now, with my daughter, it's a little bit different. Uh, she has her friends she's talking to online, so she doesn't generally want to be interrupted. If she's in the middle of a big game, although she has no problem with us watching her, 
And, but otherwise she loves to share everything with us. So she'll come to us a lot of the time and say, Hey, look at this, look what I'm doing. And, and then we'll go and look at that. And, or other times, you know, we'll just walk up to her or we'll ask her what she's up to, or, you know, uh, she will draw something and give it to us a different, it just depends on what she's doing, but we're always aware, you know, of what's going on, even if we're not with her, you know, a hundred percent of the time. And she would probably not, she wouldn't want us there a hundred percent, but probably a, you know, a decent amount at least. And so we try to do as best we can. And she's understanding there's certain circumstances like we're making dinner. We can't exactly be with it at the same time, things like that. But, but overall, I think, you know, the way we're connected is we just, we're there, they know we're there and we talk to them, you know, and it's, it's not like a, something we think about. It's just kind of an automatic thing where we're just, okay, you know, see what she's up to, or, you know, me ask her, you know, you know, hey, we're going to be doing this the next couple of days. You know, do you want, do you want to go to this? And you know, just, general life stuff just naturally causes us to connect to them. And that's pretty much how it works out. It's, it's just life living together as people, right? Exactly. Exactly. And, and I loved your point about how it's um, very individual. It, it is knowing each of our uh, children as, as an individual person, not just like a group of children, right? That you have right. the same set of expectations or try to have the same kind of relationship with. Once you know them individually and you know the ways um, that work between both your personalities, right? To connect yeah. the ways that, and, and then you just uh, keep that connection going. I love that. Yeah. And as far as the difference between the kids, it's kind of funny because we, uh, you know, we knew when uh, my daughter was born, it's like, okay, we've got this. We've had one kid before, right? We know exactly what to do. <laughs> and so we did, went down the same attachment parenting path and all that stuff worked. Sure. But, you know, like uh, my son was a very good sleeper uh, as a baby and that helped my wife a lot. Now my daughter, <laughs> not so much. <laughs> she was very much into, I want to know everything that's going on. <laughs> so... <laughs> So uh, my wife didn't get as much rest with her, uh, but in other things too, you know, there's obviously different personality types and so forth. So, you know, though some things will work the same, there were so many more things to learn. And, and that's true in, in unschooling as well. You know, what might have worked with my son, you know, as far as being able to relate to each other in certain ways might not work with my daughter and vice versa. So, you know, it's, it's the, the key is treat each kid as an individual and, and go from there. I love that point because it's true, right? The the principles of attachment parenting, the principles of unschooling are the same, but the way it plays out on an individual basis with not only just within different unschooling families, but with each different child, right? It can look so different even where when it's all coming from the same foundation. Right. I love that. That's that. Well, you know, that's why I ha I enjoy interviewing so many different people about their unschooling lives, and and each one looks so different. That's why I love talking about the kids and what they're into too, because it's it's fascinating to see all the different ways that unschooling weaves into people's lives. <laughs> that's <agree>. my thing. <laughs> yep. So, what has surprised you most so far about how unschooling has unfolded in your lives? Well, you know, looking back, it's not surprising now, but at the time, you know, I, I was, you know, even though I was confident starting out, I wasn't quite sure how this was going to work. Right? You know? <laughs> it's like, this is all uncharted territory. I'm not completely uncharted, but just, you know, as we've moved along in time, there's more and more people 
unschooling. But at the beginning, and same for you, as you mentioned, you know, there were very few people doing it. And or it felt like there were a lot less than maybe there were because, you know, we weren't communicating as, as well as we are now um, through various uh, social media and so forth. But I think the big surprise for me was, you know, watching them grow and develop and and all of these different, you know, like my daughter asking me out of the blue, all these different things and these, you know, like the math problems I was talking about, but also her ability to take context in English. Our language is not one of the easiest ones to learn. And she's never been officially taught anything about English, uh, reading, writing, nothing. Uh, well, writing, she actually asked to learn how to write her letters, even though we're all typers. So, but you know, she did that. Um, but as far as reading goes, she did that because of all of her online, you know, uh, forums that she participated in or the role playing or whatever. And, and kids would correct her grammar along the way. So it's kind of neat how that all just organically worked. But I think that was one, one part of the surprise. The other was just her, um, ability to put together concepts that I, thought would take more, um, not that she would never be able to learn them, but it would be later on or that it would be, uh, with, you know, help from me or my wife, but there's just things that she comes up with ideas, you know, of, of what she wants to do or, or, you know, looking at the world around her and, and correctly assessing it and just stuff like that, that I, you know, I didn't know that she would even be paying attention to. And I think that kind of surprised me. That's such a fascinating piece, isn't it? Because, we we still have even we still have expectations on um, what we think kids can do and and we say you know we we realize the value of of having a, a human relationship with them right not not a power paced adult child relationship but yeah when you see what they're capable of just in um, thinking and and making connect not even just capable in the things that they can do but in the thinking that they can do and the creative connections and the way they can see the world it just kind of blows your socks off doesn't it oh yeah and then you know the 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 typical thing of most parents is to have this you know golden path laid out for their kids right they're going to mm-hmm. learn this they're going to learn that they're going to do this they're going to do that and, you know, there's all these things. And, and even as I talked about earlier, how they're dabbling in a bunch of different things, the big mistake, you know, that I, I would get into here and there that I, I learned not to now is, you know, oh, she's going to be, a, a, you know, a yeah. fashion designer, you know, whatever. And it's and I didn't fortunately, I never opened my mouth and said anything to her about it. But but, you know, the thoughts were there and that, that can cause problems if you're not careful about it. So. You know, the key is she's going to be a human being and she's going to be a happy human being that knows how to learn. <laughs> that's, that's really. All yeah. And matters. there you go. <laughs> that's where the value is. Right. Yeah. Right. It's amazing. Um, well, speaking of our kids, have there been times when your kids interests or choices have challenged your thinking or stretched your comfort zones? And if so, how did you work through those moments? Oh, yeah. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's not like so. You know, everything I've talked to up to this point, I, I, I might have ma- painted this perfect rosy picture of perfect balance in a household, and you know, <laughs> we, we have this tidy house that you know, it's not, it's not anything like that at all. And it, it's, and it, but it's not total chaos either. So I mean, I don't want to paint a horrible picture, but the reality is somewhere in between. You know, there's life is life, right? It's it's messy at times, and you know, you have to kind of roll with it and. And we as parents, how we handle these, you know, things, these going outside of our comfort zone 
is something our kids are observing us do. So they're learning from us as we're doing this. So it's important that we do handle it well, or at least clean up after ourselves if we don't. Um, which is another point overall being able to say, I'm sorry. And you know, I did, I, I screwed up. I I didn't want to behave that way towards you or whatever. Um, but definitely, you know, the, the, the triad of sex, drugs and religion. Right. So, you know, uh, the big key there for us was being able to have honest conversations with them and for them to, you know, understand that we're not just making this stuff up, that we truly believe what we're saying. And, you know, things like sex, that wasn't actually that hard for us. They, you know, we've always been about, you know, this is, you know, naming the body parts correctly, and not giving them mm-hmm. names and all that and all that. But, you know, the, the, the hard balance is, okay, yes, there's certain philosophies that we believe in that may not jive with, with the law, right? So we have to be careful about that and not break the law. So how do we do that? Well, it's a, it's a tough balance. And, and we, we discussed that with them. Um, religion, we're Jewish, but you know, our kids decided, eh, religion doesn't matter that much to us. And that actually wasn't a big deal for us. For someone else, it could be a big deal though. You could, you know, you could be devout Christian, devout Jewish, Hindu, Buddhist, whatever. And you've got a kid that could care less and wants nothing to do with it. And the key there is if you ever want a kid to join whatever you're doing, the best way to do that is to leave them alone. Because if you try to make them do it, they're not going to want to. And later on, they're going to rebel. That doesn't mean that they're going to join anyway. It could be that that's just their opinion. That's who they are. And that, you know, it's all about accepting them where they are. So, you know, I, I, I mentioned religion. It's really not a outside my comfort zone at all. I, I had no problem with them saying, look, you know, I'm, I'm not really into this. I don't believe in God or I do or, you know, and that changes over time, too. You know, maybe they do one time they later on. Well, I'm agnostic or, or I do believe in God or you know, none of that really matters. It's their personal choice. So the, the big thing is, you know, being able to the big thing is having the relationship that we do allows for us to have these conversations when they hit boundaries for us. And, you know, we can flat out say no, you know, it's just as I would with my wife, you know, can I come sit on your lap? No, I need to, I need my space right now. You know, that's, that's a reasonable thing to say. And so the same with our kids, you know, it's, it's not about letting them cross all of your boundaries and, you know, go all over your comfort zones and you're not saying anything. You, you talk about it and there's compromise maybe, or maybe there's not, maybe there's just something you can't compromise on. And that's that. And they understand that. And because you have the good relationship with them, because they trust you, that's not such a big deal. They can handle those no's. The key is saying yes as often as you can so that when you do say no, number one, it means something. And number two, it's accepted pretty easily, actually. Yeah, because from that relationship, they... um when you've got that that trust, you can have that conversation. You can explain your thinking, right? And they'll it's a conversation that you're having. It's not an edict that you're passing down, right? Yeah. Yeah. So again, I love that point that it all comes back to the relationship. And um, that that is one of the big things, I think, because no matter what, we can have strong beliefs in certain things. I mean, like you were talking about uh, religion and sex and, and for some people like it's food, you know, maybe you're a staunch vegetarian for your lifestyle. Right. right. Yeah. The challenge, the challenge comes when you put that expectation on your child to follow. Right. And what gets damaged is a relationship so again going back to that relationship to see um to understand that that 
depending on um, your response, that's what's at stake. Right. right? Exactly. And and it may be worth it to you. Like you said, you may have a, a no or, you know, this is this is my line. And and this is where I feel I need to draw my line for my children. If that's something that you need to do, you just you need to understand that that the um, re- the effect of that is going to be uh, what that effect is going to be on your relationship. So, you know, trust is going to be diminished, certainly for a while. If that's something that they still feel they need to explore, then they're going to need to do that behind your back, basically, because right. they don't, you know, they don't want to get in trouble and they know that you're not going to be happy about it. So they're going to explore it on their own. So, you know, that that still may be something that's acceptable to you. And it's just knowing um what your choice you you really can't have an expectation that you can literally control another person right exactly yep you certainly not as they get older right (laughs) oh definitely not yeah (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i think that's that's fascinating and i i love that piece because it is it's the dance of our relationships you know it's like how one thing that really helped me when I was stretching comfort zones was talking to them, right? Because so often our comfort zones are on on rather conventional lines, just because we can't re, we can't visit everything when we first come to unschooling, right? right. Our our comfort zones and our our paradigms and the way we see things, um, they, they just are. And it's when they come up that we're like, Oh, hold it. I'm getting uncomfortable here. And yeah, you're right. You don't want to ignore that uncomfortableness because you're losing depth in the relationship and damaging the relationship then as well. Right. I think for me, the really important thing though, was to do a lot of that work at first internally to really understand myself and why that line was there and to understand where they were coming from. Cause so often my stereotype and where they were coming up against that, they were coming from such a different perspective. And I'd be like, Oh yeah, I can see why you want to do that. And then things were great. And I didn't even really, they, they think so much. They've, half the time addressed my concerns already that I don't even really have to say much. Right. <laughs> yeah. And the thing with, uh, you know, when you're, you're looking at your own boundaries and you're respecting yourself, that's something mm-hmm. that you're teaching the kids at the same time. They're watching yeah. you do that. You're their model for what life is like as an adult. So if you're saying, Oh, you know, this doesn't work for me, that allows them to say the same thing as an adult. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Yeah. Because they're seeing you, um, think it through. They're seeing you process it. They're seeing you um, sharing your your insight, your um, understanding, etc., and and working through it with them. And absolutely, those are skills that they. Every time you do that with them, they're gaining experience with doing it, right? And that's a skill that they take with them forever. That's why focusing on the relationship just brings it's a it's lifelong skills right not facts that they're learning right you're not Um, filling their heads with information you're you're showing them life as it unfolds exactly oh i know it's beautiful okay oh and i'm just gonna go back and say it again life is messy i love that yeah 
right? Yeah, it's true. That's what it is. And we're living life together and we're doing it as best we can in relationship with our family. So I love that. Okay, last question for you, Robert. As an unschooling dad, what piece of advice would you like to share with dads who are considering or just starting out on their unschooling journey? Well, it depends on what kind of person you are as a father, you know, as far as how you learn. You know, that's that's something that's overlooked a lot of times. You know, the um, if it isn't the father, like in my case, coming to unschooling first and it is the wife or partner, um, you know, explaining to them what unschooling is, if, if, first of all, this advice is for the partner to start with, be aware of what your husband's learning style is and, mm-hmm. or, you know, or your partner's learning style. The, the key there is some people think, well, if you just read this, you'll get it. Well, some <laughs> of us aren't readers. We're not, we don't learn that way. We learn kinesthetically we, through experience or, or, you know, through discussion or, you know, the other way. So be open to that. Um, and on the dad side of it, if you're getting stuff thrown at you, throw it back and say, this doesn't work for me this way. Give me a different way. But be open, you know, really be open to to alternative ideas. And this stuff really does work. It's not like we all just decided to do something out of the blue. It you know, <laughs> doesn't uh, do any good for the you know, it really, you know, my overall goal is peace in the world. Right. That's that's something that I really care about. And, and I believe that by giving our kids this ability to live life as human beings and not being told what to do, they are more likely to be peaceful than not later on in life. You know, they're more likely to be more empathetic and so forth. So as a dad, kind of look at that as a goal, you know, of, of, you know, what is, what am I trying to affect in the world? That's one part. The other part is as a dad, you know, you, you have these ideas of what you want to impart in general, but instead of trying to impart directly, how about just living it? And letting them observe you. And, and that's one part. As far as the unschooling piece goes, that's about the relationship. That's about saying, okay, these are human beings that are, that are my loved ones. And what do I want to give to them? Well, I want to give to them, you know, love, number one. But, you know, that, that comes out in, in a, a peaceful way of just talking and not talking with them, not at them. Listening to them first. Always listen first. And really listen. Don't just listen for the for waiting for the pause to say something. Truly get what they're saying, and then move on. And and, and you know, was, uh, I don't remember how Sandra put this, but you know, um, read a little, learn a little, try a little, or something like that. I think is how she says it. So don't do what I did. Don't fire hose yourself. Uh, do a little bit of time. You know, if it means just let you know letting go of their bedtime, or um, you know, not worrying about subjects in school or, you know, pick one thing to start with and do it with one thing at a time and see how it feels. You know, just try one thing. It's not like opening the floodgates, allow one thing at a time, see how you feel. And also talk to other unschooling dads as you're moving along. Cause there's things that we've all been through. And I always offer myself on Facebook and all over the place. And, you know, um, hopefully I'll be able to give you something to put in the show notes about how to contact me. But, um, I, I, you know, I really encourage dads to talk to me or any other unschooling dad. I'm not the only one, uh, and and really say, oh, you know, I'm going through this, and we can say, yeah, we've been through that. This is what happened. Or you might have a unique problem. You know, not not every one of our problems have been covered necessarily, but just be open, read, learn, and move forward one step at a time, and this will come. And keep asking questions too. Don't don't just sit there and stew with it. Ask the questions. And, and you're not wrong for questioning this. You really care about your children, but be open. 
I love that, Robert. That so many great points in there. That was beautiful. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. And definitely, before we go, where is the best place for people to connect with you online if they have any questions? Um, I, you know, I'd say Facebook, and that's really hard to find me that way. Um, <laughs> um, I guess, you know, if you join um, Unschooling Connection, uh, that's a group I, I'm an admin of, that uh, Basically, the point of that group is to get people who are in the same geographic region to know that they're near each other. Um, it's also, you know, advice and things like that. Um, I'm on that group. Uh, if you join that, I'll see you. And then, uh, obviously, if if you see that I'm the admin, you can directly friend me. Um, let me think. Um, I think my Twitter is at RC Gottlieb, and probably email is <laughs> another way to do it. I don't know if I should do that on here. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, I think between Twitter and Facebook, we should be able to help people get connected with you. Yeah, that's probably the best way to do it. And, and you know, through, um, I guess I'm friends with, am I friends with you on Facebook? If I'm not, I will be. Um, and, you know, then you can see me as a friend of, of Pam's and just feel free to friend me and send me a message, though. Don't just friend me blindly because I don't know who you are otherwise. So send me a message and say, hey, I'm a dad or a mom or whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, I love yeah. anybody. And, you know, I need help with unschooling. Just you can keep it that simple and I'll, I'll let you through. Oh, that's beautiful. Thanks so much, Robert. Have a great day. Sure. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to pick up your free copy of my book, What is Unschooling? In it, we'll explore some of the common questions people have when they first hear about unschooling, like, how will my child learn? How do I know they're learning? What is de-schooling? And how do I get started? It's also available at many online ebook retailers. And if you'd like to connect online, you can find me on Facebook at Living Joyfully. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.